definitely one of the best bands most people have never heard of. Uh, what a great band. Big Wreck from Canada. Um, this song was called The Oath, but the hook there says my luck is wasted, and uh, that's going to deal with tonight's episode. But before I get to that, I want to welcome you to The Real Deal Podcast. This is Keith. Um, this is part of the Closer to Fine miniseries for uh, Season 3. And uh, it's just me solo telling stories about my life and things that I've learned along the way that have sort of gotten me to this day, right? Every day before this one has gotten me to this one. And so I think that's the case with everybody. And so I'm just telling stories here, sharing some life experience with you, hoping that uh, you can benefit something from it. And I hope that you do. And um, and if you uh, find it useful, I hope you share it with your friends. Um, again, this, this band, Big Wreck from Canada great band late 90s um and uh one of those bands that just never found their their place in it all but still playing today still putting out great music and ian thornley the singer guitar player probably does a better chris cornell than chris cornell does and is an insane guitar player uh just worth checking out but um back in the late 90s scott turned me on to this band he says dude you gotta hear this band and so uh, you know, went out, got the CD, and this is the first song on the CD, and was just blown away by the whole thing. And so, um, this this became a, a favorite with he and I. And uh, you know, uh, there toward the end of the things, and with the band and whatnot, and, and uh, still to this day, a band we talk about a lot. But the hook in the song specifically, um, he keeps singing over and over again. You know. My luck is wasted. And if you, you read the lyrics to the song, what he's essentially saying is that his, his luck is, is no good, right? That it's gone. Whatever luck he might have had in his life is gone. And I will tell you, um, early in my life, I believed in luck. I thought luck was, was something that uh, was real in concept anyway. You know, that, that some people were just fortunate and they had, you know, some sort of, you know, good thing going on. And I guess if you subscribe to, I know Scott is, is a big fan of the, uh, that book, The Secret, you know, that talks about, you know, the things that you think about will become the things that you do. And, and there's an element of that that's true. You know, the things that you focus on become the things that you do. And the things that you do obviously can bring you success if that's what you're focused on. It also works in the other direction that if you're focused on negative things, you negativity and, and, uh, you know, just, you know, bad things, you're, you're going to bring bad things into your life. And so there is some truth in that. But uh, later in my life, uh, being a, a young father uh, in the early, mid-2000s, um, I had become very, um, I, don't mean, I don't want to say jaded. I, I, was, I was in a transitional period, you know, and working through things in my own life and seeing how things panned out. And I started realizing that luck really isn't a thing, you know, that I, as much as I wanted it to be, um, it, there just doesn't seem to be any reality to it. Maybe that's something I should have known a long time ago, but, um, I began to see that it, it wasn't that people were lucky or unlucky. A lot of times it was people, um, brought into their life, what they surrounded themselves with. Right. And if you, Surrounded yourself with with negative people and people that weren't going to help you uh, be better than you than you currently are and and, uh, and that sort of thing. Then yeah, you weren't going to have good fortune uh, because your actions didn't uh, cultivate good fortune. 
And so, um, you know, I started learning that it wasn't about, you know, whether someone was born with a silver spoon in their mouth or born well off or whatever, that really life is, is kind of a blank slate and we get to make it what it is. And on the other end of that spectrum, there are things that happen along the way that, that often are unexplainable, right? And this might be the other side of luck where, um, you know, you see someone who's uh, maybe, maybe you see a car wreck happen, you know, uh, on the freeway or something. I'm sure everyone's seen that video circulating on social media right now where the, you know, this guy launches, uh, he's the, there's a tow truck on the side of the highway in Georgia somewhere. And this guy launches off the back of that truck. Like he's in the Dukes of Hazard or something. And the, the truck flips and, you know, and, and it's just, you know, you see something like that and no one's hurt. You're like, Oh wow, that guy's lucky. Well, in those cases, I, I, I don't believe that luck is, is a factor either. I think that circumstances either, uh, just didn't, um, avail themselves to, to someone getting hurt or, you know, the timing of it just, just worked out. I, again, I, I don't think that there's some mystical force, you know, determining whether or not we have good fortune or good health or anything like that. I think a lot of it is based up to our choices, but there are things that happen in the universe that we can't explain. And that's really what I want to make the point about that. Um, there have been things in my life, um, that I believe were the providence of God. Now, some might attribute that to luck, right? Maybe, maybe you're not a believer in God and that's okay. Um, I am. And, um, early in that journey as a young father, uh, I had several things happen that sort of solidified the idea of providence. And one of those things was with my son, Cole, who I've talked about obviously on this podcast and we'll talk about some more. So I hope that, uh, you're okay with that. But, uh, Cole was born with pretty severe asthma being 16. Now he's grown out of it. Uh, he hasn't had any problem with asthma since he was probably, you know, seven and, uh, you know, six or seven. And so, um, you know, something he grew out of, but when he was young, he, he really struggled with it, man. And the winter time was, was always a really stressful time for, for Kelly and I, because, uh, when, if he got sick, man, the asthma would just take him. And I can recount several trips to the, to the ER at children's and, you know, oxygen levels down in the, in the low nineties, which is, you know, extremely dangerous for a child. And, uh, you know, we had a, a nebulizer that we had to, to give him, you know, uh, you know, albuterol on a daily basis. Um, when he had attacks, we had to use, you know, uh, liquid steroid prednisone and, um, he wasn't old enough to yet to use an emergency inhaler, but he would have eventually graduated to an emergency inhaler and that sort of thing. And, you know, it was, it was scary, you know, because whenever someone takes your air away, um, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot you can do. You're, you're sort of in that moment without any air. And, uh, how do you not panic? Right. How do you not panic when something like that happens? And so, um, with, with Cole, it was always a, a situation that Kelly and I were extremely attuned to and focused on. And, uh, and I remember one time being at his doctor's after he had had, um, you know, a pretty serious attack and, and, uh, we were asking her, we said, you know, is there anything else we could do? Like when these attacks come on and it's taking a little while for the prednisone to kick in and you know, the, the breathing treatments aren't, 
aren't quite there yet. Is there, is there something we could do that would, that would give him some instant relief? She says, well, she says, this isn't, you know, she says, this is, uh, you know, this isn't, you're going to, you're not going to see this, you know, in, in like medical textbooks and whatnot. She says, but cold air really, really helps, um, give some instant relief. I said, I said, Oh, how's that work? And she says, well, you know, if he's having an attack, you know, what's happening is his, you know, his bronchioles, his bronchi and his lungs are, are closing up, you know, and, uh, they're inflamed. And what happens is when you breathe in that cold air, the cold air will, uh, constrict, uh, the inflammation around those, um, those tubes in his lungs and, and, uh, and, and it'll help the air pass through. And I said, Oh, I said, well, that, that makes sense. And, um, she said, yeah. So if he's having a really bad attack, just, you know, kind of stick his head in the freezer or something and just let him sort of, you know, open your refrigerator and open the freezer and just kind of put his head in there and let him breathe some of that cold air. And it should give him some, some, you know, some pretty quick, instant relief. She says, now you'll still need to do the, the breathing treatment and all that stuff. She said, but th that can usually help. <clears throat> she says, or if it's really cold outside, you can just step outside with him and let him breathe in some of that cold air. And that'll, that'll help. It'll help reduce the inflammation in his lungs. And I said, Oh, okay. Pretty neat trick. Well, you know, a couple months go by and, and, uh, I'd been at the church building one night working. We, I'd, we were moving into a new location and I was installing a window in the, um, what we would call the cry room, you know, where, um, mothers could take crying babies to sit and, and, and nurse or, you know, whatever needs to happen. Or maybe the baby needs to take a nap, you know, whatever. And, um, so I'm putting in a window so they could see into the auditorium. Um, and, uh, I didn't get home till late. It was like one in the morning and, uh, man, it was, it was freezing outside. It was freezing cold that night. And, uh, when I got home, obviously I was, I was cold and, and, um, I checked the heat to see what it set on and, and I bumped it up a little bit because I'd, I'd been working in that cold building, uh, cause the, you know, we didn't have you know heat on in that building yet and, um, decided to take a hot shower. And as I get out of the shower, I hear this noise and it's this like grunting, gasping, sort of like, almost like a, it sounded almost like a growl coming, you know, and, and I, I walk out into the hallway and it's coming from Cole's room and I said, oh shoot, he's having an attack. And stupid me, I didn't think about it, but evidently when I bumped the heat up, heat or, in, uh, you know, hot will, will, you know, hot air will bring on an asthma attack for someone who has extreme asthma, like, like my son did. And so, um, I'm like, Oh shoot. You know, and I run, I turn the heat off and I pick him up, you know, and he's really struggling, you know, now Cole at this point in time is, I think he is between two and three. Um, and, um, you know, he's, he's struggling, man. He's, he's having a hard time breathing. And so, you know, me and Kelly, we run out to the to the living room, we go to the kitchen, we get the we get the prednisone, we give him prednisone right away. We 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 give him a breathing treatment, you know, and he's and he's still just even though he's breathing in the salbuterol, man, he's still having a hard time. Like the the attack is on him and like it's already gone past the point of of any sort of relief. And you know, and Kelly's looking at me and and I'm looking at him and I look at her and and she's about to lose it. And so I'm like, okay, I got to hold it together. I, some, someone's got to hold it together here. And, and so I'm looking at him, man, and his lips are turning blue. 
you know, and I start to get messed up and I'm, <clears throat> I'm getting messed up right now. Uh, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm not ready for this. God, 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 please don't take him from me. Um, don't do this tonight. You know, um, I'm not ready to live life without him. And I don't want this to be my fault for turning up the stupid heat in the house. And I'm looking at him and he's, his eyes are, are, are opening and closing and he's struggling, man. And I, and I, I'm like, and I'm in my head, I'm like, God, what can I do? Please don't take him from me. And then I remembered what the doctor said, cold air. And I said it out loud. I was like, cold air. You know, now I just gotten out of the shower 10 minutes before this. And so I'm standing there in underwear and nothing else. And I, I jump up off the couch and I run out the front door. I just open the front door and run out there with him. And now it's frigid. I mean, it, it is uh, what I came to understand later. Um, the next the next morning when I was drinking my coffee after staying up all night because my adrenaline was <laughs> through the roof, I I came to, to understand that it was the coldest night in recorded Georgia history that night. So keep that in mind for a second. And so I run out there with my son and I'm holding him and he's still struggling. And I'm, and I'm just praying, please, God, please don't. Don't let this happen. Stop this. And we're out there for about a minute. And then all of a sudden I hear, <sighs> and he just, he breathed in this really deep breath and, and let it all out. And I just, oh, I almost fell to my knees. I just, I was in such relief, you know, that, um, that he could breathe. And so we stand out there for a few minutes until he's starts to shiver. And I know that it's too cold for him. And, uh, I should have been shivering, but I had so much adrenaline shooting through me at that moment. I, I don't know. I wouldn't have known if you had have stuck, you know, hot flames on me. I probably wouldn't have felt it, but we go back in and he's breathing. Okay. And so we go ahead and we, we finished the breathing treatment and we get him calmed down and we get him to bed. And naturally, I don't sleep. I'm just I'm just awake. And um, about two days later, um, watching a movie one Saturday afternoon, watching it was the M Night Shyamalan movie Signs. And um, if you've seen the movie, you know that Mel Gibson's character is is a uh, was a he was a, a a minister, and he had lost his faith. Uh, because his wife had been hit by a car and died. And in her last moments of life, she said what he thought or believed to be just random thoughts as her brain was dying, just said things like, you know, make sure he sees, tell your brother to swing away. Um, and, and, and just some other random things. But, you know, the, the movie goes on. And they're they're hiding out in their house because they're under this this alien invasion and whatnot. And Joaquin Phoenix plays Mel Gibson's brother, and he's 
he's telling him, he goes, I need you to believe. And he says, listen, um, he said, you need to see the signs, right? If you, to be a person of faith, you need to see the signs and believe and you'll be comforted. And he went through this whole little spiel and I don't remember it exactly. I probably should have watched it before this. I could recount it more perfectly, but you get the idea. And toward the end of the movie, whenever they go upstairs, an alien has his son. And he had sprayed this gas at his son to try to kill him, neutralize him. And uh, because his son had asthma, his lungs had closed off and the, the gas didn't get to him. And then he realized that the aliens were, were their, their weakness was water. And his daughter had a pension for leaving half empty, half drunk glasses of water all over the house. His little brother, Joaquin Phoenix, had been a you know minor league baseball player that could have gone to the pros. And one of the things that his wife said to him whenever she was dying was, tell your brother to swing away. And so he tells his brother to swing away, and he grabs the baseball bat, and he starts hitting these glasses of water, hits the alien, he drops his son, the alien dies. And uh, they get outside, and Mel Gibson starts praying, very similar to the way that I did. Please don't take him. Please don't do this. The asthma closed his lungs. And then just then, his son comes to, and everything's fine. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, because not that that situation was exactly like mine or not. I know I don't live in a movie. But here's the thing. On the night that my son had an asthma attack so severe that it could have taken his life, we also had the coldest air recorded in Georgia history to date. Now, was that luck or was that providence? Because I am a man of faith and a believer in God, <clears throat> you know what I'm going to say. I don't believe it was luck at all. I believe that God provided and that it was his providence that gave me the coldest air that night to deal with what could have been the worst situation of my life. And who knows how that would have changed me if it would have happened. My point is, is it, is it, it wasn't that I was lucky and that my son didn't lose his life that night. It wasn't that. I believe that God provided exactly what I needed, exactly when I needed it. And so from that point on, I became, well, I, I was no longer a believer in any sort of luck at all. That I do believe there is providence. I believe that God provides for his people. And I believe that we, uh, through prayer, can access that providence. That we can ask for God, and if it's his will, if it's within his power to give us what we need, I believe he'll do it. Because there have been other instances, too, that I don't have time to tell you tonight. But I can tell you this. I'm not a lucky guy. Not by any stretch of the imagination. But I do believe I'm blessed. And that night, I believe God blessed me. <clears throat> And by his providence, he spared my son, spared me in the process. And so think about that. Think about times in your life maybe that that you thought you were just lucky or um, or that luck had, had smiled on you somehow. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, it wasn't luck at all who was smiling on you, but it was the Creator. Flexing just a little bit to show you who he is, that you might see him. Giving thanks. Who knows? Maybe it was. 
but I know this. That night became a defining moment for me. And it's been a series of moments like that as I look back throughout my life that I can reflect on now and then get to share with you. And all those things have helped me get closer to fire. And so I'm hoping that this story, this memory of my life that I, I, I went through, that I learned something, I hope that it'll help you maybe look back on your life and see some of those things and help you get closer to fine too. And we'll continue on this journey together. Thanks so much for being with us tonight. This is Keith. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.